Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others wouldn't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Uh, Cool, here we go, live on the pods, having spoken about Hayden's house for 10 minutes... And then something else that I had to switch off for for 10 minutes. And like you're both back together back in the day up in Newcastle. Uh, Aidan, thanks for joining me and Fletch. How are you, mate? You well? Very well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the invitation. It's very kind of you. Well, thanks for inviting me to join in your conversation, lad. <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. Fletch, you cool? You in good form? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just, Aidan, are you curious why Rusty hasn't asked you before? I mean, I've been I've been trying to get you on for years, and Rusty's like, "No, mate, we can't have this guy on. Can't have him on." I think Aiden's like Suzanne. Like in my head, he's been on before, but yeah. he hasn't. I guess he's been on so much yeah. stuff, hasn't he? With like various. Yeah. Well, various why, why did you want to get him on, Fletch? What were you thinking? Ah, uh, he's like really intentional around his development. I think he's a very, very good grass coach. I like how he thinks, really creative. Um, ask for feedback and generally means it. Um, and lots of other reasons. Mm. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched him quite a bit. He's sort of been involved with my eldest a bit and obviously lives pretty close to me. And yeah, yeah. So, and it wouldn't just be him. Lots of what the Falcons were doing at that time was like, I, I think they were groundbreaking, really. I think they were definitely breaking some rules and they're doing some cool stuff. And I, I, I learned loads of them. The, uh, the youngsters are doing well on the first team. Uh, uh, quickly, if you asked your son to describe Aidan, what do you think he'd say? Um, challenging. Creative. Energy. I think that's what he'd say. And I was trying to think like him, but that's kind of the stuff I would think he would say. I mean, he he he, he does talk like he does talk quite a bit about Aiden. He 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 reckons that's clearly not true. That Aiden's a better coach than me, which is like seriously, mate, you're killing me. Feedback. Yeah, it's got feedback for me. And you. The, uh, Aiden, do you want to like tell us how you got to this point? What? Let's go all the way back to like those videos you showed us of that you're anti out of your. Uh, just watching the ball when you were young. What uh, brought you to this point? Um, well, I've, I mean, I've always played uh, sport and rugby for a long time. So um, sport's been pretty much my life. Um, or all I've really been interested in for, for the vast majority of it. Um, I guess rugby really took over at about 16 um when it when it, I started taking it a little bit more seriously when you know county stuff came about and that that led me to some opportunities in in academies and and then and then eventually over to to Limerick where um I was supposed to stay for a couple of years and ended up staying for 10 and met a great group of people and my wife and that that made me want to stay for much much longer and from there I got some some coaching opportunities and I was lucky enough to be supported by some some really good people when I did first start want to take up coaching and I guess that that's what kept me excited about learning more about coaching um, and then I was kind of brave enough to chance my arm at interviewing for like academy stuff Falcons then gave me the opportunity which I was really grateful for um and uh and I 
had a great four years there and now I'm with Ulster Rugby in a role which I love and I'm, I'm back over on the island of Ireland and able to support my wife who was desperate to be back close to her family so I guess that's where we are now. Nice and you've got the most important thing you've got the initials on your top that's the <laughs> That shows you've made it as a coach or a player when you've got initials on your top. What was your academy experience like as a player? Um, uh, very, very different than what um, I would say I'm trying to give academy players now. Um, I was I was less the Tigers, so it was a... Um, it, it built some resilience... I was definitely... Right. Um, what do you mean? How do you know? I mean, why? Sim simply because it was like you were thrown into stuff and, and given opportunities, which I was really grateful for. So at, at, at like um, 18, I was in the, in the A team playing Guinness A-League and playing out of position. And um, I was really thrown in at the deep end and... And I was really grateful for those opportunities because I just had to like grow up quick. Um, and I was playing alongside like Henry Tuolangi one game. And I was like, I, if I was against this guy, I genuinely wouldn't know how to tackle him. Yeah, like, um, and, and training sessions were like, I didn't know what I was going in for. So I'd rock up on the pitch and I'd probably see like uh, cockers one day. And then I'd be like, oh God, like we're in for it now. We're just running into each other for an hour and seeing who can kind of still stay on their feet. Um, but then you'd have like Dusty, Dusty Hare or Randy Key who would like be completely different. So it, it, it definitely built some ability to adapt to like whatever was thrown at me. And I got some injuries, which were pretty tough. So it built my resilience that, that way, you know, I did my ACL a couple of times and my shoulder and it, it definitely, it definitely made me grow up fast. Which, if you can change one thing, mate, around that experience that that would have given you even a better experience, or maybe progressed your rugby even more, what 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 would have what would you go back and change? Uh, maybe some of the support stuff. Like I had to travel forty five minutes to training every day um, by myself in a in a, and my dad also you know gave up moved jobs to like support me get into the to the training and. I don't think anyone was aware of actually how like wrecked I was at getting up at as a 17 year old getting up at half five to be on about three buses to then train in the afternoon at Oval Park after I've been to college for then my dad to have to wait around for like three hours after work to then take me home like it was it it it, it was tough um and then I'd get home pretty late I wouldn't really because I lived so far away, I wasn't living in Leicestershire. Um, I was getting home, just going to sleep. Um, yeah, it was tough. I mean, it. You, you just put the word tough next to Leicester Tigers a lot, don't you? Um, that's all I remember, sort of thinking that this is really tough. I've got to like suck it up. Um, and I did. I did suck it up. But if I had some support, if I had someone coming up and up and saying. Look, have you thought about maybe some other options around staying in Leicestershire for a night or a couple of nights? Or, mate, you look really tired. Have you? How are you feeling? I probably would have maybe had a more positive experience. But I mean, it was great. I did love it. I loved, I loved training right next to like Martin Johnson and Neil Back, and um, and then being thrown in every now and again into like senior training. I loved it. Um, but it did build my resilience. It was like, I have to just like get on with this now. What was the best thing? Or have you already mentioned it? it was it around rubbing shoulders with with those players? Was there anything else that you're sort of thinking back on, going, wow, my, that, that was like an amazing, and that's really helped me shape my sort of philosophy on either on coaching or the environment that I create? Yeah, good question. Um I think I think I'd be honest in saying that lots of other stuff has influenced it more. Um, I can't think of one thing that I, I look back on and be like, right, that has always stayed with me. Other 
other than the resilience piece. Like some, you know, you have to stretch your challenge, your level of challenge. And that might mean being, being really uncomfortable. Cause I did, I, I remember one week where um, I'd been training with the Academy for a couple of days. And then I was just given a phone call to say, right, you needed in senior training. So I had to bomb it like from school, from college, get to senior training. And then I was, uh, I was running at 10 versus the starting team for the, the first team at the weekend. And I can just remember like, I'd have Jordan Murphy like running at me and I'd have to tackle him and uh, Alex Tuolangi. Like it was like, I couldn't believe the extremes I was going from. Um, I'd rather be tackling Jordy. <laughs> but mate, he was so quick, man. Like ridiculously fast. And unbelievable at like bouncing into space. I, I just remember him like, yeah, I can just remember him beating everyone like for speed into space. I dictate, mate. I dictate. I'd be fine. What, um, 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 can you remember your first ever coaching session? Ever? Yeah. Um, I can remember the first one, which I was like, oh my God, this has got serious now. Um, was when I was doing like East Midlands stuff and I was given like a page like no sorry about six pages of moves I was like I just used to make moves up with my mates like I, we never wrote them down <laughs> and it always only ever involved maybe like three or four players and these like had like th second and third four face stuff I was like way out of my depth I just I, I, I literally I remember like panicking that I was, cause I was playing 10. So I was then expected to run all of this and understand it. And I had no idea. And I can remember being really scared to ask the coach a question and being um, just about in, just about strong enough to go and ask another player. Just, just tell me again what you want me to do here. And then I got a look, which was like, how do you not know? You pretty much should know. Uh, that was probably my first session where I was, it was different than just like going and playing some games and, and. Uh, you got serious, got serious. The coaches gave you some moves. And then you moving into coaching. So what was that like? And like a same again, can you remember your first, first ever session that you had to run? Like. Yeah. And this is something I, I, I really remember because it's, it's, it has stayed with me, was um, uh, Ian Costello, um, at, at, when he was the director of rugby at UL Bowes, um, wanted me to do some community work um, because I said to him, look, I'm, I fancy getting into coaching and doing some, some stuff with maybe some younger age. And uh, I was given the responsibility of growing the game in the area, in the community and, and, I remember him saying, mate, just, just go and get kids to fall in love with the game, which I advise all players that start getting into coaching. Go and don't, don't just the team is kind of a level or two levels down from where you are or where you've been. Go and go and coach people that, or, or children or, people that actually don't want to be there or, or don't know anything about rugby. So you've got to make them fall in love with it. That's like first and foremost. And I found that a real big challenge. And I remember, I remember going into a sports hall with like six and seven year olds with a bag of balls and cones. And I was winging it. I just thought, what can I do? I remember doing like relays and, bulldogs and and I'm sure we'll talk about it later but it's made me that's what's really built up my coaching philosophy is like all my IDP is can I be a coach which can support a group of people no matter what context I'm thrown into because I thought I'd be good at coaching and then I met a group of six-year-olds and I was useless completely useless and way out my depth and I remember a teacher going um have you thought about uh, maybe, you know, doing something they're able to do? 
<laughs> Honestly, it was car crash. That's good feedback. Yeah, it was. It taught me a lot that like year of 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 coaching in the community was really it was really powerful for me. And, and, mate, and what's your sort of thoughts on that? Lots of players end up being coaches. It's a natural progression. So you've you've you kind of mentioned it, like maybe they need to do a bit of an apprenticeship. I mean, what what else would be in your ultimate apprenticeship for people moving out of like coaching into sorry, playing into coaching? What sort of stuff? What else would you advise? Yeah, co coach at all levels. Get as many different experiences under your belt as you possibly can. And Just give me like your top three or four, mate. What's like, yeah. Well, that would be number one. So, I mean, me and Rusty have talked about this before. Is we you see lots of of players that have played professionally just jumping straight into into coaching at a professional level, which which it can it can go really well. But I would I would say to everyone I would say to everyone coming out of the game, especially pros, go and go and coach a group of people that either don't love the game or don't like it, and convert and convert them to being like passionately in love with it, because you'll you'll have definitely have to reflect on what you do and 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 definitely plan some stuff which uh, might look a little bit different than what you think it should look like. Um, another one would be. Um, go go and coach other sports. So actually, just ha harness your coaching skills um, in a, in a completely different context. So I know they do it on all the, the the coaching courses, but I mean, I I learned loads going and coaching like cricketers, um, and not only what watching how they get coached by other coaches, but having to then go and coach them myself. Um, yeah, and the key is being vulnerable. I think it's actually putting yourself in situations where actually you're going to maybe not get some stuff right and get some good feedback by people looking at your square and people giving you like, do we have to do this or why are we doing this? And that is probably a really good good question for you then to think about is well, if people don't understand the why, then you maybe want to think about what you're doing. And maybe just a follow on that, where's this sort of um it's almost an obsession of yours really around people giving you feedback and you asking for it has that always been the case or did that come a bit later was it was there a moment in your coaching where you felt actually look i think it would be helpful if if if, if like maybe some other people give me some feedback yeah it's definitely part of my um my journey at falcons um i was a completely different coach when i left there to when i started there and and feedback was feedback was a massive part of what we did as a coaching group, um, whether it was feedback to each other or feedback from players or parents or other staff members. Um, Jimmy was probably the best at it. You know, he would be really curious of what people thought of a session or a practice or something going on, and I then. It's only when you really reap the rewards from doing it do you understand its importance and its value, um, and and then it's just become part of what I do really because I'm I'm genuinely curious what people think a lot of the time. Well, what about you, Rusty? So I'm just going to ask Rusty in that. Well, what have you? What's your take on that? What are you noticing either about about Aiden or about other coaches around this? Like, because Aiden's the one for me you would like always you, I mean you'd also I'm surprised you weren't asked haven't asked me for feedback around like tidying your house up type stuff because you're like you, you would always want feedback on stuff did you tidy his house I didn't know I didn't know <laughs> that story for 20 minutes earlier um what do I think and I was thinking and I'm going to come back to you in a second Aiden with what was your give me a couple of ouch moments from that where you go Poof, actually that person was right um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I was also thinking of the Auckland grids that we did on the uh, Facebook Live uh, back in the day. But yeah, I mean, he would, he'd be, you know, pretty hungry around getting better, would ask people. Sometimes people can do it and they don't mean it, would be, you know, they, they, they don't want to, they're not going to do anything about it. He would definitely do something about it. That's pretty helpful. I, I say, you know, like, the other person that I see like that is probably Eddie, to be honest, like, I, I see loads of coaches that pretend they want feedback. 
and there's been a couple of Prem coaches where I, I, if I wasn't employed by the RFU, I would have just gone, you don't want me to be here. I, I, this is making no difference. I'll just leave now if it would if it would help. Um, yeah, so I think there's there's yeah, I think it's a it's a cool gift to have because I'm also quite. What do, you, what do you think they uh, What do you think they ask you for feedback then? Do you think it's because it's seen as the thing to do? Like, why would they bother? Yeah, I think we go just we're just pretending we're just pretending to play at this thing, and I also think it's pretty. It, it is rare. Like I, I was thinking back to me back in the day and. You know, I always say, like, when Kevin Barron came, I would I'd lose a week of my life, think I'm going to get sacked later today. He was only there to help me get better. But it can be quite a... can feel like quite a big thing for you. And same having taught as well. And I would add teaching onto your list of things, go and, go and teach in a classroom. Lots of people are now having to teach on Zoom, as an example. Fletch would add coach disability sport onto your list as well. Um... Yeah, I think it's a, a, an awesome gift, really, that you are chasing feedback and you're genuinely going to do something about it. Yeah, I just think it's, I think it's a, a massive part of, of getting better. I, I think it's absolutely, like, almost critical to, to getting better at... Give me, the, uh, give me a couple of examples of really, really, like, impactful feedback that might have felt a little bit ouchy at the time. Oh, let me think. Um, well, I got a bit. I got a bit of feedback the other day from a player that um, that was that was great. He um, he he just he just said about how to make training better, and it was really brutally honest and and really imperative. But I, I don't ouch at that because I'm I'm like really grateful that he's 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 said it. Um, oh, here we go. Marco, who's like the best at, at probably giving feedback, um, left like a little note on my desk. Um, I'll always remember it. And it was something, it was basically around like authenticity. And uh, he left it on my desk and I picked it up and I went, uh, oh, like what's, uh, who, who's given me this? And Marco kind of just looked at me and he goes, what do you think about that? He was like, uh, be yourself. And then he just walked off. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, who does he think I'm trying to like be? And I literally <laughs> was like completely like deep in reflection going, what, what does he think I'm... Uh... But it was like, it was his way of doing it. Um, what about your, uh, what about your level four mentor? What, uh, what, what kind of feedback do you get from him? Uh Good, really good feedback that's why i keep going back to him and asking him for for feedback on stuff um what was that like uh, apart from the fact that the two of you were having to work out how to write assignments what was uh, what was fletch like as a kind of a a mentor on the level four yeah re really helpful just just because i don't um i don't think the level four was necessarily um it, and I think I said this to you, Fletch, was if, if I could have, um, if I known what the level four was really about, I'd have probably put it on the long burner and done it in a, in a different time and space um, because I probably wasn't ready for the assignment stuff and the writing down stuff only because of currently the, my family situation and, and then also um, just where, what I was doing at Falcons, you know, I was, I was just doing lots Um but I thought it was probably the thing to do at the right time if I wanted to progress. So I kind of just went and did it. But what was great about Fletch was he, 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 he put me in the middle of it and said, right, how can we create and solve some problems? Um, not create problems, but create a program which is supportive of, of Aiden and tailored it kind of around me, which was a relief and, and a very much a help. Um, and, and luckily I've got, got through it all. And, um, and actually, I, I, which we, we might talk about, but it actually then spurred me to do like one of the best bits of, or period, one of the best periods of coaching I've ever done. And I, I was really like, really proud of, of what actually came out of my long-term assignment. And like, I've, 
I framed it. I framed the certificate. So it obviously then meant something. So, um, yeah, but Fletch was really helpful. Really, really helpful. Yeah, I think just to jump in there, I do think actually the RFU needs some, and uh, Andrew Webb, Kearnsey especially, because they sort of were trialling and I think it's moved on that actually people can, so basically what happens on the level four is you do some stuff and then you got to feedback and then people are sort of, a, sort of assessing and say, yeah, you kind of got it and you're of this level type stuff. Well, that doesn't need to be written down. I had a similar experience to Aiden. I really struggled with that type of, that type of um, skill really of, of sort of feeding back. So what the RFU allowed Aiden to do was have some conversations and to feedback in different ways. Um, and then actually to get to the main bit, which is a long-term assignment stuff, which often people on the level four, they're so worn out from the level four experience and the slog that it is, that the, the bit that should be the most fun is often the bit that they don't put that much time to. But I think it allowed you to get stuck into it. So, yeah, yeah mate, I mean, go on, talk about it, because it was a great piece of work. And again, I was from the outside looking in a bit because it also involved like a team that my, that my lad was playing for. Yeah, do you want to talk about it? Um, well, it, it has many kind of strands, doesn't it? Um, so which, which, which bit do you think's kind of most important would be best to talk about? Would it be the, the coaching team part of it or the... I think it's two things. One is the coaching team and then like how you measured it and then what you felt and then what you've seen from the players. Ultimately, that's why we call yeah. So what did yeah. you witness the players do? So from a, from a coaching team perspective, I... I've often been part of teams where if a try is scored, it's a big high five to the attack coach. And if a defense, if a defense gets the ball back, it's a big high five to the defense coach. And if a try is conceded, everyone's pointing fingers at the defense coach going, why haven't you done your job? Like you're, you're clearly not, not getting stuff done. Same with if the line out fails, it's the line, you know, the line out coach gets sacked. And I was, I've never, ever been a fan of, just people having labels which are that which are unhelpful in terms of um, supporting players, and I do think attack, defense, lineout, scrum, coaches—if they're given that label, they then believe that it has to work for them on the pitch. And if it doesn't work, then they get really stressed about it and feel as if they've got to go and solve it. Whereas actually, a coaching team is a, a group of people that are supposed to solve the problems and create solutions together. So I try to create a coaching team where if anything succeeded and anything failed, it was a, a team responsibility to solve the problem. So I changed the labels of an on-ball coach. So anytime a player is touching the ball, that coach is responsible for challenge, support, feedback of that player off the ball. So it was primarily attack support without the ball, which was it just turned out to be defence, but it it turned out really that that coach, the, the without the ball coach, was primarily the attack coach because he was challenging the defence to do stuff which gave the attack some stretch and challenge. And then we had a ball out of play coach, which which became mostly our analyst who challenged and supported and stretched the players between whistles and away from training and before training and after games, when whenever the ball was out of play, whenever we weren't in, in, in playing rugby, and uh, and we we kept switching roles. So sometimes I would be the on-ball coach or the the ball out of play coach. We'd have ball out of play sessions where, if I was the ball out of play coach, I would lead it and 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 challenge the players around what they're doing between whistles. Um, whereas the on-ball coach then would focus on things around what's going on around the ball. And, and ultimately it meant we co-coached incredibly well. We didn't feel pigeonholed. We were able to jump into other people's, if you want to call them roles, I called them just um, what they would be noticing that night. So they would have some attention to notice some stuff. Um, and it and it made us more skillful as coaches because we weren't we weren't just focusing on a certain area of the game or or specialising in a certain area of the game. We just had to be a team of three, four, five on any given night, which were coaching rugby and noticing a certain part of it that evening. 
That's pretty long-winded, I know, but... Long-winded. Uh, Fletcher is def- desperate to ask who your exit coach was, but I won't let him. Um, why ball out of place? So why, why a boop coach? Well, just, go, just going back to, say, exits or having to play from deep within your own half, that you would one of the one of the coaches would would lead it, and it might be the off ball coach, um, and he's noticing around what's our support look like deep in our half. But the the great thing about it was was that everyone had to coach in that moment. Everyone had a responsibility. So the on ball was, let's say it's from a line out, would be throw, catch, deliver, nine pass, ten pass. The off ball coach is looking away from what's going on there. So where's our where's our support moving to to create us multiple options to play out of here, whether that's run pass or kick? And then the without the ball coach is stressing us because we're deep in our half. We want to be stressed, you know. So all, all the whole time we were all in the moment. Hey, will you tell everyone what you're up to at Core Thirty Seven? Hi, Fletch. We're a teamwear brand based in the northeast, and we're the sister company of Oddballs. We've got the largest sports sublimation factory in the UK and we've produced for the biggest brands in Europe over the past seven years. But with Core 37, our in-house brand, you can now access those prices direct to the customer. Why would people use Core 37? Uh, If I was to pick three, Fletch, it would be our lead time of three to four weeks, our price, which is lower than anybody else in the industry, and the fact that we're made here in the UK. What's the stuff you're most proud of with Core 37? There's loads of stuff, but... The, the key one for me would be working for a company that, that genuinely believes in its own mission statement, which is to produce performance sportswear at an affordable price. And then underpinning that is the people. Everybody who works here is involved in grassroots sport in some way. And so we genuinely care about what we're doing here. Fletch, why do you want to partner with Core 37? Uh, apart from the fact you're a Geordie, uh, great people, uh, lots of people involved in sport, really affordable and top quality. Thanks for joining us, Wilkie. Anyone who wants to find out more can go and have a play on their website at core-37.com or they can reach out directly to tom at core-37.com. Coaching. I'm going to go back to Boop, but where would structure fit in for that team? Where would 1331, 242, would that stuff be part of it? Would you give them experiences around that or would you... Uh, coach them to be aware and make good decisions and understand how they can help support the ball go forward by you know where they stand what they do for, for this group that we did it with um we we didn't use any any strict um uh structure i guess around where the forwards went um we we primarily talked about give every ball player three passing options we we created a little bit of a, um, uh, a theme around like being really scary in attack. So if we're going to be scary in attack, we've got to make defenders scared. So where would we support, which make defences feel scared? So it, that would then touch on things like effectiveness and, um, and being a genuine threat to the defence. But the, the, for this group, it just wasn't the right thing to do. And it, I don't think it was the way they would want to have gone either. So we, we let them play around with that kind of framework of just giving ball players options, always being a threat and, um, and finding their best way to go forward off the back of that. Nice. And why the ball out of play, coach? Why did you think that was important? Um, because it's it's a part of the game. It's it's moments in the game which they get faced with, just like they get faced with a scrum. But they also get faced with time between whistles where they primarily have to coach each other. So one of the members of the coaching team is was actually the players. So they would have to uh, notice some stuff and feedback and be part of the coaching team. So we would often then grab a couple of players and say, right, we're doing an off the ball session tonight. What do you think we need to get better at? And they would say, well, we're, we're still not holding depth and width, mate. That's you're absolutely right. Do you want to talk about that before the session? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I want to mention some points and we were lucky and Fletch would know that we had some players in that group that would be more than capable of doing that. So we were able to bring the players into the coaching group really often. <laughs>
um, very frequent. But ball out of play is the best time to get three, four steps ahead of the opposition. So that's before the game. Have we done really good analysis of the opposition? Have we analysed ourselves around what we might need to focus on? Have we, do we realise what our super strengths are and how often can we play to them? Now we're in the game, there's a scrum. What's, what's the best way for us to get early go forward in this game? And I often see teams that uh, just don't use that time to, to get three, four steps ahead of the opposition. They just let it pass and kind of hope things work out and just think it's wasted opportunity. Well, it's over 50% of the game. And as you said, it's uh, time to be able to think slow and problem solve. And I'm fascinated when people come in for line out and, for example, the backs don't know what the forwards are doing or we haven't adapted to the previous line out the opposition did. Or... But then and it's it comes... deception. How, what can we tell the opposition really early so they then decide what they're going to do and then we'll change so that... We, we give them a different problem to what they thought was going to come. Because um, the game is full of deception. You know, I, I, I heard a great one from a player the other day. He was like, I, I understand what you mean now. It's, it's about making a decision really early and then doing everything you can to cover it up. Well, absolutely. That is ball out of play. Nice, Fletch. And as a dad... On the, on the uh, inevitable car trips with the kids, what type of conversations would be going on in the car? Apart from you, like, grading the kids out of 10 and telling them they're getting their pocket money this week, what type of stuff? Oh, yeah, just, like, really excited. Well, it wasn't just my lad. I often had some of us in the, in the car, and it's also what I noticed on the pitch, just, like, loads of problem solving. This has clearly led on to the fact that the Falcons believe in and... And coach principles of play. They they use cards. Um, that's where beat the game came from. So the players. It's interesting that, that you said, um, Aidan, that the players have these skills. I I do think that you develop these skills really, and mainly through the beat the game stuff. So how you design your sessions affords players opportunities to problem solve, and within problem solving, you're going to have lots of interaction with each other. Um, and, yeah, and, and all of that. But look, loads of excitement. Like, they generally felt as though it was their plan. And, and I know that you had nudged them, like, significantly. And, and Jack was obviously involved. I think he needs a great shout-out, Jack, uh, the analyst, in terms of how he themed it and how he measured it. They were, like, so excited to, like, see the information because it was useful information and it all made sense. And it just really excited them. And I also got the sense that they... Like, they played with absolute freedom. And there was some magic. And clearly, at the age of 15 and 16, there's some stuff that's not going to go well. But their magical moments would be really, really strong. Um, and it's a time that I think all the players will look back on in, like, 10, 20 years, even when they finish playing, going, wow, that was, like, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, and, and the coaches. Like, I, I loved it. And I was... I don't even... I don't, you know, we've themed it around Call of Duty and I've, I don't play Call of Duty, but even I was, and me and Jack were both like really into it. Um, what? Um, got lots out of it. So the stuff that, that was the big thing that resonated with me was, was how you themed it. And the other thing that I remember is, and I don't know if you created this, Fletch, or, or Jack created this, but the video, I think Jack created it, the video of the good stuff and the not so good stuff. Yeah, well, that's so sorry, mate. So that came about that um, I was in the Falcons a bit, and I just said, "Oh, Jack, I've got I've got a presentation to do." I think this is how it came about. In maybe it's how I'm seeing it, but it was uh, we were doing a uh, CPD for all of the um, DPP coaches. That's right. That's you right. showed the ace magic moments and the bloopers. Yeah, I, I basically wanted to. I just wanted people to see, like, wow, this is magical. And like people were in the room going, like people were cheering, weren't they? They were clapping. Yeah, yeah. As like as like Callum Pascoe was passing the ball behind his back and, and and Tom Marshall was just being like a magician. There's all sorts of amazing stuff. And then I showed them it like some stuff not going well. And it was like there was some ridiculous stuff that like people were like, ooh. 
and clearly the point of it, like, like you can't have one without the other. Really, this is just yeah. a, this is a really well informed, uh, well planned um, program that is affording people at the right stage of their development some, you know, like some really good opportunities. That was kind of the message. Yeah, there was a big penny drop on that moment for a lot of coaches. Yeah, it's strong. It's a strong uh, video. Swashbuckling. They played a, swash, a swashbuckling style of rugby. I, I would, the only, and I know you're going to ask another question, Fletch, but what role did Ed Hall play in all this stuff? Um, just, just challenge and support. So he just coached us. Um, he got to know us really well. So he found out like why we coached and why we were here and um, and what part of sort of our journey were we on. And then he really, um, he really uh, gave us good challenge specifically to our needs. So it was really individualized. Um, he was really tactical around when and where he did it. Uh, sometimes it was in the moment. Sometimes it was away from away from the pitch and away from the club, even. And he's had a he's had a just like Fletch, massive influence on how I coach now, um, me, primarily around my coaching skills. Give me a couple of examples that come to your mind. Like what's in your head now? A couple of examples of where interactions with Ed have helped you become a better coach. I can I can remember specifically um, I was working on my feedback so I would often give really good uh, praise feedback um, when there was a I kind of have different levels of of praise feedback and he would often just give me a nudge around you need to be a little bit more specific with that because you've just celebrated something but do they really know what what it is they've done really well there and and in their head it could be completely different to what you saw or what you're praising. So can you just be a bit specific, more specific? And I remember him giving me that on the pitch. How specific was that feedback, do you reckon, Aiden? And I went away and thought about it. And then he, he, he added more meat to the bone, I, rem I remember, after the session. And it made lots of sense. He just said, mate, you, you, were, you were absolutely picking out great moments and giving good feedback. It just could have been way more specific. And that stuck with me for a long time. Still now, I'll be like, uh, Connor, that was awesome, mate. Well done. Does he actually know what I'm talking about? And that's that's one of Ed's big things. Um, another one was the like the lackey band, which I know you talk about a lot, but it, it, it's definitely changed how I coach. And often I get triggered when I when I see a player or or feedback to a player on two moments that he's done really well. And maybe one after the other, I immediately then think about a lackey band and I probably need to go and give him some stretch now. Um, so just to summarise that, you were talking about having physical aids to help yeah. you kind of remember the stuff you as coaches were working on in your, in your uh, situation, an elastic band or a laggy band, as they're called in Middlesbrough, um, that would remind you that if you notice something going well, you'd be specific and then you'd stretch. So it was a great opportunity to stretch them from that position. Yeah, that, that was it. And Ponzi had like a satsuma, didn't he, or something? No, uh, tangerine. So Ponzi would often err and erm, and that was that was his. He would carry it up to the front of meetings to just rem remind him not to erm and err as much, um, like that. What, what other ones did he do? Because he was... Probably his biggest skill um, was was getting me to reflect and not just like surface level reflection. Was it good? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought it felt good. Okay, well, we'll probably keep that. It was way more sort of deeper. So just why was why was it good? What could have made it even better? What what bits were the most powerful or? Or did you notice a change in someone's behaviour? Why? You know, it was a deep level of reflection, which has probably stood to me most now. Um, and that was Ed Hall. Jimmy was really good at it. We'd, we'd often debrief and 
he w- he was really good at reflection, but but Ed took it to another level, I think, with us as coaches. Yeah, mate, it's interesting. As you were writing before you said it, I just wrote down. I think Ed's really good at noticing. He's very calm. Um, he is. He's. He listens. He's genuinely listening, and then he makes you think like no nobody's ever made me think. And he's like, he def- like I've gone home and not slept. Like all night, really? oh, mate, 100%. So, one of the things he did with me, he like observed me. I, I got invited in to do a session, and it was all right, it didn't go it didn't go that well. And I was like, I was playing, and he came across, oh, I've just been chatting to a player, and I goes, Oh, yeah. He said, Dad, do you want to know what the player said, said about? I said, Oh, yeah, mate, I would love to. And he did just give me some feedback, and I just I couldn't sleep all night. It was basically that I'd actually talked quite a lot, so I was really conscious, yeah, anyway. And so, but but and and then he just walked off, like he didn't want to talk about it. He basically gave me some information. He's really smart around how he gives feedback, but he makes you think very very deeply about himself. I mean, he's he's, he's like almost like Yoda, I think. He's got Yoda type sort of stuff. Mate, I want to change it. Can I change energy a little bit? I want to because now now you're at Ulster, and you were at the Mighty Falcons, and now you're at the Ulster, like. You're allowed to give what um, one thing to each environment from the other. It's it's a gift. Yeah. Um, so what would you give to the Falcons from Ulster? And what would you give to Ulster from the Falcons? It's only it can only be one thing. And it's and it's with the and, and it's and it's going to help them win. So this is about ultimately first team level. Win. Uh, it could be at any level, but this will help the first team win. Um. From an from an Ulster perspective, it would be the level of planning. They are um, we are unbelievable at, at planning, and uh, having really good meetings, like short, sharp meetings about what's most important now. So, so mate, just when you go on planning, what do you mean by planning? So, so. It's probably made Rusty feel a little bit anxious. Uh, I mean, planning's important, mate. It's really important. Depends <laughs> what you're planning for and why and how. Go on, yes. in. Just, just for individuals. So it might be, it might be the um, the the S and C physio guys talking about load, and I do think that's important because you want to just get the best out of a player in any given session. You want to, you want to optimize his. Um, ability to perform at the weekend and play at his best. So it could be that, but Dan and Peely and, and, and JP put a great deal of thought into individual players needs of a session. What might be the challenge for them? Can we have some good conversations before, during and after the session um, to help players? There's, there's also a coach, which is a guy called Dan Soberg, like incredible coach who who basically is responsible for all the players that don't get get selected for the match day squad he he supports them with not only their individual development but also uh priming the first team for who they're playing at the weekend and he gets them really excited about being the opposition and gives them lots of support and challenge around being the being the opposition for the week um and and they just they with planning, it's also really good conversations, streamlined conversations to get into uh, having positive outcomes. And I, I can never, I'll never forget the first conversation I had with Matt Godfrey, who's our who's our academy head of um, uh, physical development stuff. I said, you know, what what's just tell me something that's really value, you know, good about Ulster. You know, I'm obviously starting on Monday. And he goes, we make every single day the best day it possibly can be for every player. That's our job. So we have like squeeze sessions where can we fit in just 10 or five or seven minutes of skills in the gym to upskill the players? Can we, there's, there's some dead time here. What can we do to support just Ruben with this it's every day has got to be the best possible day it can be for each player and it's prime from an academy's perspective it's primarily circled around their their IDP and how can we 
maximize every minute they're with us and sometimes also away from us so they plan really well around that i'd give back to the falcons and what about the other way around uh probably like the beat the game stuff um and and by beat the game i also mean things like like card skills that we're unbelievably skillful players ridiculously skillful with with the ball and in in around the big rocks um i think i think some of the some of the setupy stuff which falcons do at like under 15 16 could could really support our players further up the up the program and uh things around like awareness and creativity and self-organizing we have lots of players that probably struggle a bit with self-organizing as as they come further up the primarily because they've it's not that valued in their schools and clubs and um so so the work that falcons do in the community and earlier on around the beat the game um would would be really helpful over here yeah, mate. Hallelujah to tell that. What's your, what's your, what's your connection with the first team, and what sort of stuff have you noticed about Ulster first team? What's the, what's the stuff that you would want to share, or like people to watch out for if they're watching them play? Or, um, well, we're a collective speed team, so we 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 thrive on playing at speed. We're doing everything we can to 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 think, act, and behave fast. And it, 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 just, so just on the speed, is that always fast and like to play, right? We want to play as fast as we can all the time. Is that is is that what speed means? Is it or is it like change of speed? Um yeah, we they do talk about change of speed, but it is it is to think, act, and do fast. Um and we have a we have a great phrase from an attack perspective where we want the defense to have no recovery. We talk about no recovery a lot. And I think it's a great phrase to to talk to players about when, when you're referencing how you want the defense to feel as if they can't recover. We're constantly like, like uh, almost under an avalanche and it's just getting faster and stronger and more powerful. I think it's really good language. Um, but then there's, as, as Dan said, there's a really exciting young group of players. It's why I kind of took the job because the, the players that are coming through now and and are young and are getting some opportunity are really exciting players. And there's a there's a there's a, a team that's that's there that's from the from the province and proud to be from the province and are and are able to play really good rugby, are really good players. So it's pretty exciting times. How are you, how are you going to beat Leinster, mate? Uh, well, we play them on Friday, so we've got some strategy stuff around it. But uh, they're a great team. We we're aware that they they have a certain pressure game, which can fit, can feel like an avalanche at times. You know how they just manage to keep the ball and keep the pressure on and win the game line. They're a good game line team, so we've got to do some stuff to try and. What's a game line team mean? What does that mean to? So it's a good just job. Go it's a good job we're not playing like uh, that sort of bingo game. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's it. They go forward and they uh they're a big build pressure team. Um and it's it's tough to play against them because they 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 build really good pressure against you. So we've we've got to do some stuff to try and slow it down and and maybe take the pressure valve off a little bit. Have you been hanging out with Lanny at all? I know you made some contact. Is that a sort of a, a connection and a relationship that you've sort of kept going? Yeah, I have. And I'm I'm Lanny's great with his time. I know he, he probably doesn't have a lot of it. Um so so when he does uh when he does get back to me or when we do catch up, I'm really grateful. And 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 yeah, he, he often talks about their pressure game and and uh around momentum stuff and I can see it. I mean, he's clearly having some impact there because they're bringing what he talks about to life really well. What have you noticed? I mean, differences in both environments are generally lots of 
people who are working in academies or development jobs are often thinking that, you know, I'd love to work in performance and be at the kind of that that end. What uh, what have you noticed that's different? What have I noticed about senior environments compared to academy ones? Yeah, that's that, that's a better question, mate. Um, well, de detail would get off and thrown about, wouldn't it? So, so the devil is in the detail. I hear a lot, and and you do need to understand some of that stuff. I, I completely get it. Um, uh, I've seen in some environments where they where where coaches get pretty stressed out about covering bases. Have we covered all this stuff? Have as Fletch talks about with with Rob Andrew as. Have we got every box ticked before we leave the office? Um, and I think it's something that we at Ulster are very good around just, just what, what's really important for this week. And it could be a technical, tactical thing, or it actually could be a mindset thing. It could be just what are our values. I've, I've sat in meetings where, where Dan hasn't reflected that much on the game. He's just maybe shown a clip which says, this is what we are. This is what we're about. Um, so, so really good senior environments would, would have good temperature checkers around, well, what's really important to sh talk about, share, act, behave like this week to, to hopefully have an impact at the weekend. Um, I've definitely been in some senior environments where it's just all about the tech tack. We've got to tell you some stuff. You've got to listen to us and, and uh, hear what we have to say on some things and, and actually, you know, could you, could you think around, well, you know, these lads actually need a little bit of a pick me up or we need to sort of maybe make this week feel a little bit more relaxed or, or more intense, depending upon how people feel um, and what people notice. And it's, yeah, I think that some senior, senior coaching environments feel as if they have to control everything, whereas actually there's, I mean, some teams have, I would often think about coaching to lose and all of the, all of the best information would be like in the players, wouldn't it? So I would just be having like good conversations with players to find out what they're thinking, feeling, and then maybe devising a little bit of a strategy around it or, a, or creating a, a group, which are going to go and bring some stuff to life around what they're thinking about an opposition. And my job would just be to support those conversations and the training week as opposed to be standing at the front all the time the um Toulouse first team were playing like Falcons Academy back in the day <laughs> they're playing some beautiful rugby <clears throat> the one tick list I would add at the moment and I've chatted to a few coaches in some first team is like are you checking in with your people so because it, yeah. it feels like because of COVID often training is quite functional and you're missing out on the interaction stuff that you know, how many times did this player check in with us? Do we check in with them type stuff? Because it's a tough time for people at the moment and you might lose some people. Yeah, and we're, we're really blessed here and fortunate here that our, our gym space is really playful. Um, there's balls everywhere. There's a basketball net. There's a cage for like scrummaging in. <laughs> so so we there's just lots of playfulness going on and that's a great opportunity for us as coaches I often just go down there and have non-rugby conversations with players to just get a gauge of how they're feeling what they're thinking about the weekend or how or yeah how how they how are they finding not seeing their family for so long you know we've got some overseas players that have found it tough Fletcher was getting excited then. He was thinking, sounds like Ajax till you mentioned the scrummaging cage. When you like basketball net, tick, play area, tick, scrummaging cage, oh, anomaly in the system. <laughs> what are you thinking about that, Fletch? Yeah, yeah, it does. And to be fair, when Blackie was at Newcastle Falcons, I was fortunate to be there the, like back in the day that that's what the gym was. It was a, it was a it was a it was a games area that they did some that they did some physical prep and physical development and stuff but he used to do like even on the bikes he would do lots of visualization stuff and calling the moves and all that sort of stuff so 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 whenever you can cross over whether it's the psychological the physical and or the technical technical and do it all in one and and a gym's a great space i mean ajax would be would be brilliant however as was every um 
every franchise team in uh, New Zealand. It, it was just like a play area. And, that, and, and of course, there was some waiting and they were doing some physical development and physical prep. And that's where the coaches hung out a lot. And I know you said earlier in the week, Aidan, didn't you, when I spoke to you, that actually your, your SNC guy gets a bit like aggro with you if coaches don't go in. And... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and we, they're, very, they're very good at... Um, they're, they're, they believe first and foremost that they're rugby players and that they, they should um, be, be rugby in the gym. Um, and so they want us to bring our laptops down and put, put images on screens and talk about moments in games with players and and then and then yeah if if i'm if I, I remember i wasn't in the gym for for one session and my the same guy i talked about earlier matt comes up to me and he's like you'd have really enjoyed that you missed some opportunity there to coach some of the players <laughs> and i felt really really bad i was like i've missed i haven't squeezed the day i've failed so yeah they give you really good feedback and and uh it's a great space i mean it it is it's the best probably space I've ever worked in from a rugby perspective. And I'd never, I hardly ever went over to the gym at Falcons. Let's be honest. I didn't. I just sort of thought that's where they go while I was on the pitch. What you go to exercise? Like when you're trying to like hang out with the lads, you have biceps, you like shoulders. <laughs> I'm playing basketball, mate. There's no way I'm lifting anything. <laughs> yeah, I would have said that it and be playing with all the toys. Now yeah, yeah. Observe you a little bit. You are like a, you're a big kid, really, aren't you? You're still like you love to play. Well, I just go in and set up little challenges and then leave it. So I'll then I'll start to do it, and I'm like, I wonder who's going to come over. And it's it's usually some usually the the similar guys, but I'll be like, right, you've got to. You've got to kick this ball. It's got to bounce twice and then go through this ladder. And like, they'll stay there for ages and they're just, they're just playing. I mean, it's what I used to do as a kid. So that's all I want to play. So obviously I was a lot younger then when I was in the Academy of the Falcons, but I used to be like, I was almost unbeatable at uh, kick squash. So lots of the kids could, you know, especially the low numbers. I used to often take them on, but I used to love to join in and, you know, all those little games that you can create. I think it's important. I think you build really good connections. I spoke to Dick or not so and he, he would talk about it. Now there is somebody who could beat me at kick squash. But um yeah, I think it's important to like think of the architecture and the environment and often gyms are place where like coaches don't go and hang out and they're not that playful. Um they definitely could be. Mate, what sort of stuff do you do to relax? What sort of stuff are you into just to chill? Can't be driving. Um, I, I love being with my family. If I'm honest, like I was, I was, I was desperately like frustrated. I couldn't go and see them over the the Christmas period uh, back in England. But I love hanging out. I mean, I've I've got two kids. So one, uh, Bobby was just born in um, in November, and and Quinn's two, and I I love hanging out with him. Um, He's just he's just found out what gymnastics is, so that's great fun. So he's jumping off our kitchen table onto a load of cushions. Um, yeah, and I I love like playing octonauts and being a go jetter for like a couple of hours of the day. And um, other outside of that, I mean, I, I I love catching up with mates, but primarily it's when you got kids, you just want to give them the best time you can, really. Dog walking, mate. You, I mean, we, you. We've been on a, a couple. Are you? Are you? Are you in your yeah. dog walk? I'm, I'm trying to get Rusty into dog walking, and he's not having it. Yeah, yeah. So my my dog comes up to Belfast with me, so I can go for walks with him, and and yeah, take. I mean, I often just ring people. I mean, you guys must get sick of seeing my name come up on your phone because if I'm in the car or I'm walking the dog, I'll I'll often just ring one of my sort of support network and have a chat about some stuff I'm doing or. What are they doing? Um, Fred Burden's like pretty high on that list and Ponce is high on it. and Just like talking to people, really. Nice. Fletcher, Fletcher, I know you can do the one word. Is when he said the names of his kids, were you thinking Bobby Robson and Mickey Quinn? <laughs> <laughs> were you going, come on. Let's give them after the Geordies. Absolutely <laughs> right. The Mickey Quinn, mate, he was a hell of a player. Bobby Robson, the greatest manager of all time. 
Um, that's kind of what you got from the northeast, wasn't it, mate? Was those names? Yeah, and, and every now and again, when I get quite uh, either agitated or excited, I often my like Geordie accent comes out a little bit. Uh, they're, uh, they're planning for third, and they're going to call him Alan. <laughs> Big Al. Big Al. <laughs> Oh, mate. So. Well, that would be a mate. Right, let's go on. The, let's go on the one line. So you only allowed one word answers, reasonably quick. Um, so I'm going to start with an easy one, and uh, mate, it's about ten, twelve. Let's go. Falcons Academy, University. Um, coaching, challenge, family. My why? Uh, the scrum. Contest of possession. <laughs> Hyphen. Leadership. Uh, purpose. Island. Home. Pondy. Awesome. Gaelic football. Skillful. Marcus Smith. Different. Ulster. Squeeze. The future. Mm. Five um. seconds. Better. Nice. Cool. Awesome, mate. I've loved it. Hey? That was tough. Yeah, mate. Often the one words are like, oh, oh, wow, I really struggled on the one words. Mate, thanks a lot. Um, Yeah, mate. I can't believe Rusty hasn't had you on before now. Uh, I mean, this will definitely go past Eddie's and... (laughs) I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Thanks for my one of you might love catching up thanks very much for your continued support I'll, i love uh, catching up with you yeah same thanks for letting me hang with you too and be part of your conversation about moving and the guy who owns the firm and you know yeah you watch him coach and all oh. that stuff it was like it's one of the best 25 minutes of my life <laughs> <laughs> mate look stay safe go well uh, this weekend uh, give uh, Jared Payne a hug from me and Fletch and uh, we'll catch up soon. No problem. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed that.